God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As the circumstances of the world become more extreme and confusing, we must tune our ears to the voice of our Heavenly Father. His revelation is essential to navigate the road ahead. Welcome to Current Affairs with Sam Soul. Now, many of you have been uh, held on uh, pause. We brought you to the edge of the cliff, so to speak, in these discussions about the mark of the beast, the number of the beast, the name of the beast. And uh, we stop short of discussing the thing that everyone seems to focus on when we're looking at the book of Revelation. What is the meaning of the mark of the beast? And what is the number of the beast? What is the significance of the number 666? So I'll read it and set it up as we plow into into this mystery today. This is from the book of Revelation, the 13th chapter. I'm reading from the New King James. Um, Chapter 13, the book of Revelation, verse 18, Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. In other words, six, six, six. Now we have already talked about the mark, the name, and now we're about to talk about the number. Now the first thing to note here is he says, he who has wisdom, uh, he that ha- here is wisdom, let him who has understanding count the number of the beast. Very, very important that whatever is meant by counting the number of the beast is related to he who has understanding. Now, isn't it amazing that people at this point, even biblical scholars, get into a speculative mode where it becomes an arithmetic. Uh, It becomes a matter of arithmetic to try to cipher what this number is. So I want to first move very methodically through this passage. The understanding spoken of here is one of the seven spirits of God, according to uh, Isaiah the 11th chapter. His shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will form. The Spirit of the Lord shall be upon him, the Spirit of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, power, and the fear of the Lord. So the Spirit of understanding, obviously, by which one may decipher anything in the Scriptures is not secular. 
The, the, the last days is a time of the war between the sons of Zion and the sons of Greece. And in the interpretation of Scripture, the only relevant understanding is that which comes as one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And it was said of the Lord Jesus Christ, this uh, shoot that comes out of the stump of Jesse, from whose roots a branch will form, that it is the Spirit of the Lord who will be upon him in manifestation of the seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit, including the Spirit of understanding. The next line from where we quoted in Isaiah 11 says the following, He shall not judge by the seeing of the eye or the hearing of the ear. In other words, he, the, the eye and the ear are two of the five senses that the human body has. The soul interprets impulses taken in from our biosphere through our five senses. And he's saying the way that Jesus, this branch who is filled with the Spirit, the seven spirits of the Lord, the way He will do all things is without the, without the influence of the natural senses, not by the seeing of the eye or by the hearing of the ear. So there is a discernment, a discernment. Men who operate from the point of view of the soul resort to reason to figure out things in the scriptures and it is a patently foolish and unfruitful enterprise. And mostly that's what we've had in quote, counting the number of the beast, unquote. The entire understanding focuses upon what is the meaning of 666 and to approach it that way is patently a red herring, it's a distraction and no matter what you come up with, looking at it from that viewpoint, from arithmetic or from, the, from logic, no matter what you come up with, you're going to be wrong. This is not a time when we can afford to be wrong. This is a time when the accuracy of Scripture must be interpreted through Scripture itself by means of the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to take you through the Scriptures and surprisingly every aspect of the mark or the concept of a mark is widely addressed in Scripture. And even the concept of three sixes, widely addressed in Scripture. So there's no guesswork here. But that's exactly what is meant by the Scripture that says, men of understanding. It's understanding the Scriptures. It's not PhDs in Bible. It's certainly not philosophers of this age and for God's sake it is not speculation 
conjecture and your opinion. None of these things make any difference. They leave you as blank and as vacuous in, what, in your understanding as you have been. Why does it continue to be a, 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 a mystery discussed so often, discussed so frequently, completely without resolution? Because it's mainly guesses. People are taking a guess. Now guessing results exclusively in an opinion and an opinion is only valuable if people agree with it, but its value is to those people who agree with it. So we've been trying to formulate an understanding of Scripture and and guessing on the basis primarily of what people are predisposed to think it means by the application of reason. It's why we had such foolish things as 88 reasons why Jesus would return in 88, in 1988. Of course it doesn't happen. But look, the problem is primarily the ignorance of the church as a result of the people being kept in ignorance. By and large, what passes for the church today is an immature collection of children with no comprehension, no serious comprehension of the Word, of the written Word. I am astonished at the level of biblical ignorance amongst Bible studying people. And the reason is, it's simply a regurgitation of 500 year old Reformation theology. God did some great things in the Reformation, but it was on the way to the revelation of all things. If we're stuck in the Reformation and the understanding of things that God restored in the Reformation, we're 500 years behind the time. Now, I want to move on so as not to consume the time just on paving the way. So it says, he who has understanding, so I've addressed the issue of understanding. This is one of the characteristics, one of the seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit. So it's understanding of the Word as derived from the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Nobody who traffics in reason as opposed to revelation has any potential of decoding the mysteries of Scripture. They are spiritually discerned and the methodology of spiritual discernment is called revelation, not reason, because we are in a different realm when it comes to the things of Scripture. All right, now let's go on. Uh, It says, uh, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. What is the word count? What does it mean? What is, the, uh, what, what is meant by the word count? Well, first of all, it is not about uh, arithmetic. It's not about numbering, as in the word arithmos, 
A-R-I-T-H-M-O-S, arithmos, from which we get the English word arithmetic. You would think that if he meant that this would be a mathematical calculation, he would have used the word from which uh, uh, you would have used the Greek word from which the English word for arithmetic is derived, which is the word arithmos. He does not use that. He uses the word persepheo, persepheo, and it is this word. It is, the Greek word is P-S-E-P-H-I-Z-O. Persephidzo, Persephidzo, which is the word to count. We get the English word perceive from that. He who has understanding is capable of perceiving the number of the beast. To perceive is a synonym of the word discern. This is not a mathematical calculation, it is a matter subject to discernment or to perceiving. Now in the Greek, this word persephidzo was associated with a counting as it related to an election, for example. So if, for example, uh, five persons were standing for election to a particular office. The, the clerk administering the election would have five urns, five urns, each with the name of the candidate standing for election. So five urns, five candidates. He would also have on his table a pile of pebbles and each citizen, of course the citizen was allowed to vote, uh, the popular, populace was allowed to vote. So every citizen approaching the table to vote on behalf or, or for one of these candidates would be given a pebble and the candidate would, I mean the, the, the citizen would look at the names on the urns and drop the pebble in the appropriate urn. When all the citizens had voted, they would empty each urn upon the table in public view and they would count the number of pebbles in each urn. They would declare the winner, obviously, on the basis of the one with the most pebbles in his urn. Now why would you call that to perceive, persephidzo? Why would you call it to perceive? Because the idea was that you needed to perceive the will of the people. You need to be able to discern what the will of the people was. And so, this was the manner for discerning. Now here's the point. The Greek language 
did not contain references to New Testament Scripture. The Greek language existed well before the New Testament was written and it was written in the common language or the common usage of Greek, not so much the high or specific usages of Greek such as say philosophy, it was the ordinary everyday usage of of Greek terms. That's why it was called Koine Greek or from the term koinonia which meant held in common. So these biblical terms or these, these eternal principles that were being introduced to people following the Lord Jesus Christ's advent into the world and His ascension and now the writing of the New Testament, these were brand new concepts without precedent in the Greek language. So Greek was conscripted and common things in the Greek language were used to illustrate what these biblical principles would mean. Counting is one such thing, another would be baptizo where the idea was to immerse one thing in another like a sponge in a bowl of soapy water to clean and the idea being that the thing immersed, the sponge, would be filled with the thing in which it was immersed, the soapy water, and would become a carrier of it so as to clean. The understanding was, of course it was the soapy water that did the cleaning but the sponge was the carrier. So you would understand then baptism in the Spirit which is to say the person's spirit like a sponge could be plunged into the Spirit of God and the person's spirit would then carry the Spirit of God who, the Spirit of God, who was the effective cleansing, the effective agency of God carried within the person. So the notion of the baptism of the Spirit never existed before in the Greek language but the term baptizo did and so the the term baptizo was conscripted and given this biblical meaning and by that persons could understand what the baptism of the Spirit meant. So the entire usage of the Greek language in the New Testament is allegorical. This is like that. The truth we're, that, that, that was being conveyed in the New Testament, the truth that was being conveyed was like a common usage term in the Greek language. So baptism in the Spirit was like unto uh, baptism where they would understand the dipping of one thing in another to carry it to a, a, a certain place. So they would understand that just like a sponge could be dipped in hot soapy water to clean, so a person's spirit may be baptized in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit within the person would become the effective power of God working in and through that person. So the the Greek language was like that. Hence the term count is used, count the number of the beast. The idea here 
is not an arithmos uh, or how you might construct something mathematically. It's not that. It's how you might perceive the will of the people in an election. If there were another way to perceive the will of the people in the election, it would, it would be just as useful. But they use this methodology of counting to make a public show as to what the will of the people was, how you may perceive the will of the people and, and do so accurately. So the principle then is to perceive the number of the beast. How then are you going to perceive this number? Obviously the understanding spoken of is the understanding of Scripture and the only way to perceive through the understanding of Scripture, the only way to perceive the number of the beast was by the understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit. Here is wisdom, let him that has understanding perceive the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. Now, and his number is six hundred, threescore and six. Let us go back to the context, verse 17, as we come forward. No man may, uh, well, go back to verse 16, and he caused it all, both small and great, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or on their foreheads. Uh, and then and no man might be able to sell, to buy or sell, save that he have the, the, the mark or the number of the beast or the, or the number of his name. So let's look at the concept then of the mark of the beast. We have already touched this in prior discussions. It's the difference between the term icon, E-I-K-O-N, and the word character, C-H-A-R-A-K-T-U-R. An icon is to, to uh, execute something that is a likeness of another, so you may fashion an icon in likeness of the thing that you wish to represent. But then the word uh, uh, character is either a, an engraving or an instrument of engraving which is to produce a likeness. Now, before I dive further into that, and we have already addressed this, I'd like to, to, uh, to speak about the mark, uh, the mark itself. Interestingly, of course, the first man to have a mark on him was the man called Cain. Man called Cain. First man with a mark on him is a man called Cain. Now, let's start with the idea of the name Cain. The name means 
by the way, his mother named him. And in Hebrew, the word Cain signifies or means, with the help of Jehovah, I have brought forth a man. Now watch the forming of this wave in Scripture. A man with a mark. A man who was given a mark. His name means man more than any other man. Now Adam was also called man, was the term man, as in one taken from the Adama, which is the earth. So it references more a ruddy fellow, the color of one's skin and or one's relationship to the earth. But when she defines here, when Eve defines her son as, with the help of of Jehovah, I have brought forth a man, you need to keep your eye on this man. This is a jealous man. This is a murderous man. This is a competitive man. This man is a killer. This man, above all else, is known for destroying his brother who was called Righteous Abel. Righteous Abel. This man is one who destroys the righteous. So it's not just uh, Cain, not just the name Cain, but what is implied in Cain is that he is a character who kills the righteous. He kills the righteous and he is given a mark. Now, in Scripture, things, themes are repeated and often themes are repeated, great themes are repeated in bold relief three times. That is the witness, as it were, of two or three references. At the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. This is part of the matter of judging that is referenced in the book of Matthew, the 18th chapter. So, you look for the two at a minimum or three to be complete references to a thing. So, if the first reference, if the first reference to this man who destroys the righteous is Cain, what might be a second reference? Well, I'm going to state it and then establish it for you. It is Babylon and it is Nebuchadnezzar. 
And what is the third reference? The third reference is the beast of Revelation 13, without whose permission one may not buy or sell. Similar references to the Lamb. Engage uh, the Lamb of Moses, the Lamb of Christ, and the Lamb slain from the foundations of the earth, seen in Revelation 4 and 5. All right, I will pick up from there as we continue to deconstruct the mystery of why the three references to a man with a mark. I'm Sam Solon. We'll continue on. Thanks for for listening. Bye-bye.